uh, I'm going to record this presentation like I did. I didn't, uh, I, yeah, I did the last one. So I'm going to try to find a place online to host it. So if people want to watch it, they can watch it too. Uh, I think today we're going to have two talks. Uh, the first one is going to be uh, uh, about mental toughness and uh, the power. Hold on, I have it here. Uh, the power of taking control of your mind and body. And uh, the person who's going to present it is, his name is Marcos Lopez Miro. He was about Mark Miro. He's, he's my brother. Whoa. And um, he was also a swimmer, like I, I said in the email. And he's been working with uh, world-class athletes for the last 10 years. Um, long time ago, when I was at Bolts, he helped me out to create a peak performance program. And, and you know, people like, uh, Joseph Schooling, Brian Murphy, Condorelli, and some of these guys were in that, and a lot of the stuff that uh, Caleb Dressel did with his assistant, uh, with Jason Callan, of my assistant, was from this program. So uh, I think it's going to be pretty good. So I'm going to pass uh, the torch to Mark, and then the, the presentation is going to last about 30 minutes, and then um, uh, he can tell you, you can ask questions or not in between, but... Afterwards, we, we can start a discussion for another 30 minutes, and then I'll, talk, I'll, I'll give my presentation. All right? So here goes, Mark. All yours. Okay. Let me share my screen. Um, I'm Denske Disha. I'm Denske Disha. I'm Disabled. All right. So everyone can see the screen just checking. Can everyone? Yes? Yes. Can, can you guys hear me? Uh, are you quiet, shy, or you can send me a text? All good. All good? Okay. 26, 20 something people there. Everybody's good? Excellent. Good. I can see. Okay. okay, I just see three people, so just in case I don't see, we have 40 people. Now, uh, I'm, I'm, my name is Mark, my Spanish name is Marcos, I'm Sergio's brother's brother, and I've been working with swimmers for the last 10 years. What I, what I would like to do is just talk briefly, what, what I have done very briefly, you know, I don't like long, uh, long explanations, but so you know what I do, why do I do what I do? It's important to know. So I, I was a swimmer, and 10 years ago, uh, Sergio was at Bowles. Uh, I'm the guy that was always going to, Sergio was at West Virginia. Uh, please, if, if you have the microphone on, uh, please mute it, unless you, you need to talk, please. Thank you. So I was the guy that, I was at the meets without even having a kid swimming there. So I love swimming. Uh, I really love swimming. I think it's a hard sport, and they can give you a lot. But one thing that I realized in 2010, 2009 and 10 is that there, there are not that many people that work uh, with swimmers. You may have psychologists, but you don't have that many people that work with swimmers. You have people, at least in the US, working with basketball players, football players, and things like that. So I decided to start working with, uh, with the ball school. Then eventually I worked with universities, different teams. Uh, I worked with some uh, Olympic athletes levels uh, right now i have a, this girl that has been uh, two times uh, world uh, champions medalist so you know 
I just want to let you know what I have done, what is my background. So when you see what you see, there is a reason for that. Okay, so, so I want to talk about the objective of the session, uh, what I want you to really think and do. Because I don't just want you to watch this and just take notes. I really want to create awareness. And as, and as I do it with athletes, because when I work with athletes, when I do the coaching program, when I work one-on-one, -on -one, I give them presentations too. Not just working about the day-to-day, -day, what happened last week or what happened two weeks ago. I give them presentations with uh, different subjects so they can learn too about things. So what I did today, I put different areas of different topics to mix them to show you the importance of taking control of your mind and body. So far, so good. So what I want you to do is, first, I want you to create awareness. So as you're going through the presentation, if you're a swimmer, if you're a swimmer, some of you may be a swimmer, I want you to start thinking about what you're feeling. If you're a coach and you were a swimmer before, think also about you as a coach. When we talk about the mind, uh, different levels of the mind, about the body, the relationship between thoughts and mind, I want you to start thinking, thinking about what's going on with me, you know, based on what we're talking about. And then what I would really like, and it's something that I ask always, I would like you to take one action. Just take one action based on what you learned today, go next week or tomorrow and start doing something different. So let's start. So, so the, 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 the title of the session is The Power of Taking Control of Your Mind and Body. And there is a reason that I put the mind before the body. As we learn later on, as I'll show you later on, uh, you can work the body as much as you want, but at the end of the day, it's the mind who's gonna decide if the body's gonna do what can do or not, okay? Also, I put this picture of Joseph. I have done it for the last six, well, since 2016. I use this picture because I saw Joseph since he came to both, a little boy. I saw him growing, I created a relationship, I talked to him, and I was able to see him that year, the 2016, and prior to that, the same as Ryan Murphy, I could see the change. I could see the change in way of swimming. I could see the change mentally when they went to the meets, the consistency, Ryan and Joseph, if you look at the times that year, consistency, and the way that they handled themselves at the Olympics. So I always put that photo, uh, that picture to remind that, remind me and, and remind everybody that to get to that level is not luck. It's not luck. Everybody has to work hard. But at the end of the day, whoever is more ready at that moment, whoever is more ready at that moment, they can put the mind and the body together, regardless if you're in lane eight, because we have seen Olympic games where lane eight wins. Whoever is able to put at that moment, at that minute, at that second, to be able to click the mind and the body is the one at the end is who gets the best result he can. Maybe gold medal, maybe bronze medal, maybe fifth, but maybe, maybe fifth. But at the end of the day, it's the person that really does the best, reaches peak performance. So I want to start really putting an example, something that we're going to use as we go through. And this is a very extreme example. Michael Phelps. The picture in the left is Michael Phelps, 30th of September, 30th of September, 2014. D-U-Y. Okay. 
on the right hand side, well, there is not that much to explain. It's Rio 2016. You see, Michael, after, you know, you all of you probably are in the <laughs> swimming world. So Michael, after 2008, he had already accomplished everything that you could accomplish. He went to world championships, did very well. But then 2012, it seemed that he really wasn't enjoying the Olympics. So something happened in the way. Now, for him to be able to go from 2014 to 2016 and did what he did, something had to change. So let's look about, let's think about it prior, 2014. Michael Phelps, how do you get to that moment? It's like the same when you get to the pinnacle. How do you get to that moment where you're out of control, your life goes out of control? Well, you have anxiety, you have doubts of what you're doing, you have fear for whatever reason, and you have confusion of what, where you're going. And I'm gonna tell you something because there have been cases in the US that depression is big. And usually it happens to a lot of swimmers where, where they have reached the top. And maybe not depression, but if you see, you see even Joseph, Ryan Murphy, all of these people, I bet you that after the Olympics, you could see the decline a little bit. You have reached what you have dreamed about. You have, we're working very hard. Now you're known, you're at the top. Now what's next? So that's very important to know that everybody in a certain time of their career, they achieve, they, they arrive to that moment. Now, to get to the next moment, to real 2016, what needed to change? So excitement, confidence, courage, and clarity. So the key here for any swimmer, for any swimmer, to take control of their mind and bodies, to go from anxiety, doubt, fear, and confusion to excitement, confidence, courage, and clarity. Now, if you have, I don't know the level of the swimmers that you have, but normally, younger kids, they have anxiety and doubts, but they, they, they go through it, they learn things. Now, you will be surprised, you will be surprised how many high-level swimmers, and maybe they're not Olympic medalists, go from being okay to have anxiety, doubts, fear, and confusion. There are many swimmers that you may look outside, even in your teams, I bet you that you know kids that you, they seem okay, but internally nobody knows what's going on. So now the goal is understanding what can we do or, or what are the mechanisms that allow us to go from the left, from the oops, to the yes, I can do it. Okay, so that's the goal. I just wanted to show you uh, this quote. That you, have the, you have power over your mind, not outside the bench. Realize this and you will find strength. This is Marcus Aurelius, the most famous emperor, uh, because he was able to use the power correctly. He, was a, he has this book called Meditations. I encourage you to read it. And he talks a lot about the inside of the person. When, when you're a coach, think about this. Are you really looking at the swimmer internally or only from the outside? Are you treating all swimmers the same? And I know it's difficult. Why are you really checking each one of them, understanding what's going on inside and adapting what you're doing with them to maximize the moment? This is a very important message for a coach to send to a swimmer, to give a swimmer, to let them know by example, by showing them things that the power is inside in the mind. And we'll see it, and I'll show you why. 
So what's the secret? Getting beyond the analytical mind, what's the secret? I don't know if some of you uh, have seen or watched the movie The Secret, and I put that in purpose. Many years ago, it was 2006, I believe, The Secret came out. But it has been always this thing about positive thinking. Positive thinking. If you say, I'll be good, I'll feel good. You know, it, I, I was doing that years ago until you hit bottom. And the point is that they are right in a certain level, but not everybody checks why certain things work or not. What is the key for you to help your swimmer? Think about it. What is the key for you to help your swimmer to be able to break through whatever is feeling to create a new him or her? And I'm going to show you the science of whatever is in the mind right now. So when we talk about the mind, there is a process for development through, through the time. So when you're born, this is your subconscious mind. When you're born, you don't have conscious mind. You don't have analytical mind. You don't have logic. You, you're going, as a baby, you're going by instincts, okay? This is you. Any athlete, Michael Phelps, I don't care who, who it is, Joseph Schooling, Ryan Murphy, any great swimmer that we have now, when they were born, they were driven or moving by subconscious mind. As you develop your mind, as you develop your mind, by age 7 to 12, you start developing the analytical mind. Okay? Now, the subconscious mind, that is the majority of the mind, is where you create, you, you create your association. You start learning by experience, by your senses, what's good, what hurts. Okay, and from that, you create your habits and behavior. By age 12, any person, any human being, more or less, has developed by age 12 the analytical mind. What does that mean? That now you have created a filter, okay, a filter between the subconscious mind and the analytical mind. So anything, anything that you think about it, anything that you your reason in your mind needs to go through that filter. And if it's aligned with your subconscious mind, with your habits and behaviors, the mind is going to say, it's okay, and you'll do whatever you do. So to me, this slide is the most powerful. This is what I learned 10 years ago, that you can do whatever you want with a swimmer, with a person, that no behavior is going to change unless you're able to cross through the analytical mind that 5%, go to the subconscious mind and change the, the identifications, associations that that person has. For example, you have a swimmer. I have swimmers that uh, for one, once in their life, they had a, a, a panic attack in a meet. They never had it before. They were anxious, good swimmers. Life was good for whatever reason, because the stress, the pressure, that side pressure, suddenly they had a panic attack. So what happens? The panic attack is so strong emotionally that it gets, it gets recorded in your mind very easily. It stays in your subconscious mind. You start creating associations and you give it strength, okay? Unless you're able to change the association inside the mind, in the subconscious mind, you won't be able to do nothing. You will have to take pills. You will have to, and some people, they will just never be able to, to get through, okay? So the subconscious mind, as a coach, your goal is how do I influence the subconscious mind where the habits and the behaviors are created? 
that's the goal because if you push you may get some behaviors for the moment but eventually people will go back to what they know the most period so my so my goal as a coach as a mental coach is to help through my processes to help to change the behaviors by changing whatever is in the subconscious mind okay so that's the power of the mind that's the power being able to go through the analytical mind go to the subconscious mind change whatever relationship they have with experiences and then create a new relationship and then it will create a new behavior okay now why am i showing you this because because when you let's call it when you are stuck into a bad moment what happens when you are anxious you have fear you're discouraged what does it happen normally your energy levels diminish so this i created this this method of process when i talk to any swimmer when i do my presentations of you know in my programs i always use this propeller analogy so i tell every swimmer do you know what i want you to think and i don't care which level i do it with olympic level swimmers with uh, summer league swimmers i don't care who it is i say think about you having a propeller in your back okay like a boat like a ship now for this pro for this boat or ship to move what do you need you need energy so think about it energy is everything if we don't have energy as a human beings we die so every time that you have anxiety what happens with your energy as an athlete goes down when you have fear goes down when you have doubt goes down so if you mix all of them when you mix all of them what happens your energy levels goes like that regardless of how much power you have in your body you don't have the same level of energy your performance is going to diminish so our goal or my goal and our goal as a coaches should be is how can we help or find help or help them through the process to diminish anxiety to create uh, to diminish doubt to create courage to do things so they can maintain the level of energy now the key here is not used to do in practice because in practice most of these swimmers are okay yeah the the challenge comes at, at the competition level because the triggers for anxiety normally comes just a few days before the competition what the same meet. how many of you have swimmers that they're fine they you know they're doing great and suddenly they get to the meet they change the face the expression the way that they talk that's it you lost it unless there is some space there for whatever reason their mind gets distracted and they get back to to the person who they were in practice and suddenly in that gap they're able to perform so think about it. i want you to think about it everything that happens in the mind takes energy from the body okay and everything that happens in the mind happens because whatever you have in your subconscious mind that is automatic remember one thing the subconscious mind your habits and behaviors they're automatic you don't even have to think okay so, so so if you have created a thought that every time that i go to this meet and i see this person or this happens i'm gonna fail you already have a suggestion most of the time it's gonna happen regardless of what do you do because you haven't changed the subconscious mind so 
this is what they don't really show you when you talk about psychology. We talk about cognitive therapy that I use, cognitive distortion management and things like that. They're very important. But at the end of the day, you need to understand what is the impact of doing certain things, of positive thinking, uh, managing distortions, cognitive distortions. What is the goal? Well, the goal is to find balance so the energy can flow, so the swimmer can perform. Make sense? So I didn't say before, but write your questions and at the end, ask me the questions. Also, I'll send you the email later on in the, in the text and if you wanna ask me questions and I can, I can send you an email back. So far, so good. I know I'm, I'm mixing some, some, some topics, but just, just, you know, I mix in some topics, but I just wanna make sure that we are on coup. So the levels of energy we attain will depend on our ability to manage our mindset explain already i just wanted to put this here for you i like to entertain so i want you to do this thing i want you to look at this at this graphic and do what the text said in the in the left stare at the dot in the center of the circle and then move your head closer to it okay and if you want to do move back and forth what do you see you see what it's, it's very interesting and the question will be because I, I'm not seeing the text, so I don't see if you're saying anything in there. Let me see. Chat. Boom. Good, good, good. Okay. Moving circle. Perfect. Yes, you're right. Now the question will be is it really a moving circle? Is it really happening? The question is is it really happening? The truth is not. It's not really happening. It's an effect, a visual effect. But that's how the mind works. I want you to understand something as a coaches. We all create our worlds. Yes, you're right. They move in opposite directions. But you see, this is, if you move back and forth, the, 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 the graphic stays the same. It's just your eyes, your mind, because of the mechanism, see something different. Okay, so think about you and your swimmers. Are you seeing the same thing? Are you aligned? Or are you just talking and assuming that the swimmer is thinking the same. Remember, the subconscious mind is dictating what he sees and thinks and the behaviors he's going to do. So if you have those swimmers that no matter what you say, they still do something different. Maybe it's time to sit down and understand more about how the person is, how he thinks. So you will understand why he's doing what he's doing and maybe understand and find ways to say differently or show something differently so the subconscious mind takes it and say, ah, okay, I got it and I believe it. So now when you say it, it's easy to do it. This is the mind. Very good. So what I wanna talk now, so we talk about from oops to yes. We talk about, about the, the process of understanding that we have different levels of mind and how they change through your development and how important is to understand that the subconscious mind is the one that drives your behaviors, okay? And the subconscious mind, whatever you have inside comes from where you were born, okay? So if we wanna change something, we need to be able to go into the subconscious mind and change it. So now, how do we do that? How do we change the subconscious mind? This is a process, okay? So I'm just gonna tell you about the tool that you can use about the tool that we have as human beings to change ourselves. 
if we understand this tool, we will understand why or how we can change the subconscious mind. So I'm going to show you and this, uh, this concept. It's called brain, brain plasticity. Uh, I'm assuming that most of you have heard about this. Um, brain, brain, plasticity, brain plasticity refers to the brain's ability to change or reorganize the neural, neural pathways based on experiences that you have. Okay, it's the ability of the brain to change with learning. So 40 or 50 years ago, they thought that you were born with a fixed brain, that after certain years, you could not change your brain. Through neuroscience, they have learned that you can change your brain because the, the, the brain is always trying to find ways to learn new things. Now, think about this. If you learn, if you learn the same thing every day, what happens? Nothing. You are reinforcing in your subconscious, in your brain, and in your subconscious, the same thing. It's like Einstein said, huh? you know, it's, uh, it's crazy uh, to expect different results and do the same thing every day. So this is the key now, brain plasticity. The brain, if you give it new information, new experiences, it will change. Think about your swimmers. What are you giving to your swimmers for them to, you, to do what you want or to achieve what they want to achieve or need to achieve? Because you need to give them something different. If it's not working, it's because something is not entering the mind, it's not registering in the brain, okay? The brain is always looking for new things, so maybe finding new ways to express something, because everybody's different, it's visual, uh, all the ones that are kinesthetic is different. Finding new ways, your brain is gonna learn. So peak performance, that it says there, is about de developing the correct mindset, mindset by providing the right information and experiences to the brain. Are we providing the right information and experiences to the brain? And for me, this is uh, beautiful because that means that even myself as a coach, if I wanna become this coach, my expectations to become this coach, I know that if I give the experiences to the brain, to the brain, if I say, okay, if I wanna become a more strict or more, you know, because maybe I'm too loose, I let them do everything. I wanna be able to be more, strict in certain things. Maybe I can take a model, a role model and say, I wanna be like him. And they maybe write down, okay, him is like this. And then visualize that experience of being him and then do it. So if you first visualize it, remember that the brain doesn't distinguish between reality and experience because the brain doesn't have eyes. The brain doesn't have eyes. Think about this, uh, blind people running, what do they do when they finish the line, the, the, the finish line? They go with the hands up. Their things are natural. The brain is not, the brain doesn't see. The eyes are the ones that transfer the information. So if you visualize something, your brain is gonna activate the same things as if you were doing it in reality. So if you wanna be this coach, the, define who is that coach that you wanna be. Experience in your mind, I'm gonna be like this, I wanna be like that and then try to practice the behaviors. It's not gonna happen in one day, but as you do it, eventually you'll, you'll, you'll feel it that you're getting it and you're becoming that. And I'll explain why that happens now. Very good. There's no moving. Okay, so let's talk about brain plasticity. 
So the mind, I want you to understand this, the mind is the brain at work. So this computer, this laptop, I'm gonna give you an analogy. In, in the laptop, the, the mind is the screen, is whatever comes out here, okay? And the brain is the hardware. So think about this. If I, you know, whatever I see in my screen comes from whatever software and, and, and keys I'm pressing. So when I work with an athlete, I need to understand what are the, 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 the activators and the things that bring something in their mind. So if they tell me I'm anxious, I cannot do this. I need to understand, so what's, I need to find out through questioning, talking, so what is activating that? Okay, what that comes from? Remember coaching, coaching, coaching is not about telling somebody, at least what I do. I don't tell somebody what they have to do. It's about talking, suggesting, I give them information. At the end of the day, coaching is very powerful if you allow somebody to take, in, in, in what I do, to take uh, their own choices because they learn, okay? And this is very important to, to understand. Now, the brain is made by, uh, for, uh, uh, by about 100 billion neurons. We have 100 billion, around 100 billion, some people say 80, of neurons in your head, in your, in your brain. That's a lot. So that means that we have all these neurons to be able to create connections. We can, the, human, the human brain is very powerful. You can create so many connections. So if we look at the Hebb's model, Hebb model, uh, uh, Donald Hebb's was a Canadian neuropsychologist and he developed this model. And he talked, and it has been proven, that neurons that fire together, they wire together. And neurons that don't uh, fire together, they don't work together. And this is powerful. This is very, very important. Why? It's important because every time that we have an experience, every time that you have an experience, neurons start firing. They're like, okay, let me find other ones and let's find, let's do a cluster. So you're developing something in your mind. The more that you repeat the experience, remember, even, even, even if you don't want to, if you, just, if you have the discipline, to repeat the experience, eventually it's gonna become automatic and then it's when it becomes part of your subconscious mind. Now, let's say that you want you or you want a swimmer to change a habit. You just don't go and say, hey, don't do it anymore. Most of the times it's gonna happen. Maybe unless it's a life-threatening situation, people, you know, we only change when we, maybe we have a car accident and we see the light. So what we need to do is we need to create a substitution. We need to create another different habit that can substitute the other one. So when we create this habit and we repeat, 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 and repeat, it becomes automatic. And then eventually, because this one doesn't get activated, the, the neurons don't fire together, what happens with the behavior? It, you know, the neurons prune away and the behavior starts to disappear because they, they, the neurons they don't get activated in the brain. That, you see the beauty of that? Gary Tan, hey Mark, what's your thought on this move? Yes, uh, Gary, I, 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 
the 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 variance of the modes the and the and and well we'll talk when we finish because you know leave the questions there when we finish we'll we'll respond the questions thank you gary thank you let me see ah here we go learning creates new neural neural connections the brain the brain doesn't difference between what we see and what we experience i already mentioned that and your main CEO of your brain, whoever decides what you're going to do, is the lobal front, the frontal lobe. Okay, here. So what I want to do now, and this is the important part about the power between the mind and the body. This is something that when I learned it, I was like, wow. It's the relationship between thoughts and feelings. So between your mind and your body. So there is a neurochemical relationship between the brain and the body. As you, as you think thoughts, whatever thoughts, your brain produces chemicals that, that cause, they cause you to feel exactly the, same, the way that you're thinking. Now, these, the, the brain sends signals, electrical sign, signals to the rest of the body, okay, through the nervous system to activate through the cells other chemicals, so you feel what you're thinking. And once you feel the way that you think, then you begin to think the way that you feel. You see that? So let's think about a swimmer. This is very powerful. So a swimmer starts like, and I, I, I hate this sentence, I'm sorry. I used to say it a long time ago, but I die. I die. You know the typical, I die. At the end, I die. Well, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm bad, I'm, I'm a loser. As soon as you say that, your, your brain says, okay. The brain, remember, doesn't distinguish. Okay, you're a, you're a loser, you, you die. So it creates the chemicals and the signals, the chemicals and then creates the signals to go through your body and your body starts feeling that. Then you start feeling bad. Oh, I'm a, I die, I'm a loser. Or, I'm a bad swimmer, I cannot do this. Set. I'm gonna... What happens? Your body says, okay, I feel that sends a signal to the brain about the chemicals, hey, I'm feeling this. And the brain says, oh, and creates the same thoughts to support what you're feeling in your body. If you keep doing that, eventually your body becomes your mind. Your body becomes your mind. And that's the reason some athletes, they, use, they react like this. Because your body doesn't, you don't even have to think. It's fractions of a second, fractions of a second. So if you take only one concept will be thoughts equal to feelings. That's one of the things, and I have some swimmers that they really love this because when they understand how the mind and the body and the thoughts and everything connects, they know that every time that they feel in a certain way, the only thing that they have to do, what is it? Is to change what? Their thoughts. But it's not that easy. If it was that easy, everybody will do it. So you need tools, you need to be, have awareness, need to be able to, to neutralize it and then change it. But just knowing that your thoughts, whatever you think, create feelings, gives you the power to know that you can change that. So this, I'm gonna show you the process that I follow, very, you know, the overall process that I follow to create a transformation by using what I just show you. So it's called FAST the path for transformation. This is what I use overall 
with with athletes. Okay, we have new knowledge. So when we talk about new knowledge, I'm talking about things that I'm teaching you now. Okay, we have the we have the first session. Okay, we have the first session before we really the pre-session. Let's call it pre-coaching session when we learn everything, and then we start our first session. We give them knowledge, and through that knowledge, they start making decisions. This week, you know, this week. I know I have negative thoughts, so I'm gonna use these tools, cognitive distortions tools, and I'm gonna start managing, I'm gonna tr start trying these tools. So that's the next step, is actions. So the next step is action. It's about helping the swimmer to take risk using knowledge. So what we're trying to do is, okay, as a coach, you can use this methodology too. Okay, I'm giving new knowledge. I need to show them really clearly what is for, what is the use, the value. Then I need to facilitate in one way or another one that they take action. Because without action, nothing changes. Remember, the mind, the brain learns by experience. So if you don't do anything differently, you don't change anything. You may force for a minute, but doesn't change totally. So we want the, 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 the athlete to take action, take risks. The next one is, as you take action, an action and you're self-aware you're creating self-awareness of wow this is working or not what's happening with me the, the the individual starts learning something about them and they start finding solutions that work for them something that they were not doing before and next the last one is once you do that many times and you find the solution what works for you and you repeat it and repeat it repeat it, what happens it goes into what the subconscious mind and now you're changing your, your mental models and you're changing your behaviors and that's the transformation that's the cycle that I follow overall the key one you know you can give everybody can give information is to take action and finding the solution so as a coaches how can we as a coaches at the pool with a swim team how can we help them to give them knowledge that they can assimilate that they can find the value of it. And it's not a lot. Maybe one thing every month or every week, show them something about, hey, if you, how can you find focus? And then help them through exercises in the pool to take action to try this knowledge. And themselves, each one of them may find a different solution. I have athletes that I give them something and then they come up with a different solution. I'm like, wow, I never limit. You know, in the beginning I was like, no, it's like this. Years and years ago I thought, no, it's like this. And I was like, no, let them do it because they have their own way of experience. People come from different cultures. Sergi, how are we doing with time? You're like 10.40. It's up to you. Okay. You, you, um, I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. No, no worries. You keep going. They like it. I enjoy it. All right. Good. So what I want to do now, so we talk about, we set up the basis. Okay, from oops to yes. We understand that the development of the, the, the analytical mind and the subconscious mind, the conscious mind and the subconscious. We, we understand that to really change somebody, change ourselves as a, as a coaches or change a swimmer, we need to access the subconscious mind, their processes, okay, their processes. You can do recordings, you can do relaxation, meditation, but then you have to be able to give them messages or things that they can internalize, okay? Then we learn. 
we learned that if we don't we are not able we're not able to manage those anxieties doubts uh, fear the energy is going to diminish and the performance is not going to be, be there but if we can manage it we can manage it that can be the key for the athlete to be able to perform not just a practice but go to the competition and have the energy level needed to perform at his best very well now what i would like to do to close i want to give you one methodology that i use and, and you can find this uh, it is in a book you know one of the things that i do so you understand the way that i think is i don't do a standardized process i find tools because i'm an engineer i guess uh, through the years and i did consulting a lot of years of consulting and i was always trying trying i had to do you know trying i had to find new ways or or mix ways to find solutions for our clients so I always think that way it's like okay what can i find as a tool mix it and see what i can get to help the athlete so this tool is very powerful very powerful it's like it's like mental training daily mental training very short and it helps a lot uh, for this athlete that, that i'm working with uh, the, the high level the uh, world champions medalist it has worked beautifully okay so we have other ones but i want to show you this if you have more questions about this tool you can ask me you can send me emails i'll explain the process so this 10 minute toughness mental workout is five steps and i'll show you the five steps you normally use it 60 minutes before practice or competition because you want to set your body ready for training or for racing and then it's really like it's like a holistic approach because we work physical we work technical and physical most of the time we say that we work mental but i, I would like to bet and how many people because i was a swimmer and i work with teams how much time is dedicated to mental training think about it how much five uh, percent maybe just a few weeks before competition okay how not just meditation what are we doing to really give them the right message the right message so people so people when they meditate before uh, the competition we do the relaxation maybe even yoga what are they giving them when they're relaxed so new messages positive messages changing messages can help them to perform the way they can so this is like a itemized weight uh, weight training program i love that because it touches different areas and once you do it you know you have to develop certain things it's very easy to do for the athlete they love it because it's quick too so mental training equal to mental mental strength and mental control of competition think about this performance we talk about big performance but whoever again and i've seen it sergio has seen it i've seen it in sergio i've seen it in athletes i remember training with sergio in, in years ago in washington and mike barrowman all these guys they have different personalities but whoever had mental control at the competition was the one who did very well period at any level so once mental strength is developed then individuals can choose the tools to use for different situations and i like that because it gives you flexibility i have different athletes that in this process that i'm going to show you now the five steps in one table uh, they choose okay i'm going to use the breathing centering breath before the race i'm going to do it before this so once they learn to use the tools it's pretty cool because they adapted to any moment every swimmer is different so swimmers when working with them my goal is to have for them to have a toolkit and then to have a routine 
and being able to coach themselves in certain areas, not to be able to talk to themselves and coach them. So you want them to have uh, tools that are fixed. For example, uh, hey, this 10 this 10 minute uh, mental training every day, at least four or five times a, a, a week, no question. But then through the day, things change. I feel good, I feel bad. I give them different tools for different situations. So you have fixed things they can use every day, they, they need to use because it's like going to practice. And then you have flexible things, tools that help them to manage anxiety, negative thinking, whatever it is. Uh, well, four times a week during the season, minimum. Very good. So I'm going to show you the five steps. Number one, centering breath, controlling your biology. This is uh, pretty easy to do. Uh, 15 seconds. You know, the idea is to last 15 seconds, and the breath is six to seven. So six sec seconds up. Hold it for two, and then six out. I seven out. Now, this is beautiful because once, if you do it when you are relaxed, you see when they go to competition, by the to practice, it's easy to do this. But when you start feeling anxious, try to do a 15 second breath. When you're anxious, you start feeling pressure here. So the nice things about this is that it's time to learn, hey, I'm not doing this. I need to stop down, slowing down and, and, and do it. So what I teach them is you have to do it until you're able to get the 15 seconds. If you can only, because if you go like, that means that there is something that is not right. So just do it until you control your biology. Now, this is also very cool about heart rate. I don't know if you know, that that a lot of people well one of the reasons why people cannot perform a competition is because the heart rate goes too high higher than training okay so if, if if let's say that you train very well and then you go to this high pressure meet and something happens your goggles whatever somebody told you something you see these guys so this whatever. maybe before swimming your heart rate goes high and the higher that it goes your ability to perform diminishes. So one of the methods that I use with the athletes is this. You learn to, to lower your heart rate at the competition, so you are at the same level as racing at practice. Or the other choice, this is pretty cool, is when you're training, you raise your heart rate by thinking that you are at that meet. So for example, if you're going to World Champs or you're going to this national competition, so when you do the main sets, you have to put yourself like you're racing those, so your heart rate goes up. So what happens when you go to the big meet? You're already used, your body's already used to go to heart rate, so your energy doesn't diminish, okay? So this is the beauty of step one. Step two, performance statement. This is also very powerful because it's like, I wouldn't say a positive statement, but this is a specific, a specific thought, a way of thinking to create focus on your performance. To avoid the don't thinking, you know, the don't, don't think this, don't think that. That this is not very good for the subconscious because when you say don't, then the mind thinks about the other thing. But the thing about this, uh, what, are, what is your swimmer thinking before going to race? What is your swimmer thinking? It's like, do they know if, do they know the, the specific things that makes the, the, the race successful? So for example, I have somebody who is like strong dive. This is a, 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 a performance statement. A strong dive, uh, 
long underwater. They have to put it in their own language. I facilitate to create it, but they have to put it. Last 25, go out. They put words. So that sentence helps you because you control your arousal state. Now you create your focus. So imagine going before the race. You are like this. No, what's going on? Okay, I have my performance statement. This, this, this. Is that really quick? Okay. Uh, strong dive. Pam, pam, pam. And you feel it because you visualize that. You feel it. You feel it. Now your mind is focused. You're not losing energy. Okay. The third one is the personal highlight reel. And this is about visualization. Seeing it is believing it. So based on studies, and, and this is pretty crazy, one minute of visualization is like seven minutes of physical practice for your, for your brain, your mind. Think about it because you're activating the same. There are different studies, pretty crazy. So here, the athlete develops three 60-second mental video clips. Short, very short video clips. Because one of the things that I learned and, and, and may work differently for people is that some people, they don't handle well long visualizations. They get out of control. So they say that short, specific, emotional are more powerful. So imagine every day if you can do that, you do these three different video clips. One is uh, from the past success, another one is future big competition, and the next one is for next uh, competition. So they develop these video clips and they have to do this every day. So you breathe, okay, you control your body, biology, you focus, now you see yourself swimming, you're creating success in your brain and your brain doesn't know reality. So now you're creating the race, you are creating already the race. Number four, the identity statement. This is about self-confidence. One of the factors also for success in life is your self-image. You know, if you think that, you know, we don't go with Henry Ford, but if you think that you're not capable of doing something, regardless of what you do, you may sabotage yourself. So we developed this identity statement that talks about I am and what you want to accomplish. Okay, very straightforward. This, all this has a process. It's not just doing it. There is a process to it. And number five, used to regulate is another centering breath. What happens when you get to step number four, you're like, I'm ready. You are hyper. You are like, so what you need to do is now you need to get back yourself to control with all that energy and channel that energy. Okay? I don't know your thoughts. We can, we can, you know, we can talk now a few minutes. And I'm going to leave you with this video. The last thing is this video. is. is Pretty cool. It's not too long.
All right. I'm done. So do we have time for questions, Sergi? Yeah, yeah. I think I think anybody who, you know, I know uh, we, uh, we thought it was going to be a little bit shorter, but Mark, thank you very much. I think this is great information, and I think um, uh, a lot of the coaches will appreciate it. And I know when you in the extreme camps, you've done a little bit of the similar things with the younger kids. They really, they really like it. And I remember when we started this program at Balls 10 years ago, then we did it with the coaches, and it was very successful. You know, So I'm very happy to see that you've evolved to great things. So if anybody has questions, just unmute yourself and ask Mark a question. And then after, maybe we can have a little conversation and then I can go on with mine. Mine is it's a little bit more simple. Mm, I have a question. Hi, Susan. Go ahead. Thanks so much. I really appreciated all that information you've shared. Oh, you're um, welcome. I'd like to ask your advice on how do you overcome like a cultural bias. Um, a lot of people work with athletes from a lot of different cultures. So what do you do to overcome your own cultural bias in order to connect with kids that come from different backgrounds? Yes, that's a great question because uh, Sergio and I, <laughs> we come from different backgrounds. We came to the US and we have worked with, uh, especially in the US, we work with different swimmers. I have swimmers from most of my swimmers are foreigners, you know. So for me, based on my personality, who I am, I, I always, uh, for, my, for, for me, it's about learning, you know. It, it, when, once you learn, you start to disseminate whatever uh, I call the bias that you may have or people may have. And I'm talking personally, so if I, I'm... I'm I'm just thinking that you're asking about personally as a person, how can you do that, isn't it? Susan, is what you're asking, or as a team? Uh, as mostly, mostly as a team, having that cohesiveness between okay. lots of backgrounds. Well, I'll tell you a little bit, but I think Sergio has so much experience with, with that. But I'll tell you that is about, because I have worked also with organizations. I work in, in Indonesia, I work in in Africa, I work in many places with different organizations, with different cultures, and it's all about sharing. It's like uh, when people they don't get along, a lot of times it's because of, 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 of assumptions, okay? So let's say that you have different people. One is from India, another one is from Alaska, the other one is from Florida, the other one is from uh, England. Everybody has different way of thinking. What, what, what we need to be able to do is create an, a, a place and a moment so they can share things. Because the mind is fixed on what you have learned through TV and experiences, no real experiences, you know, not, not being there. Okay, so my recommendation will be like create spaces uh, where the, the swimmers, they can share things out. Hey, I come from here, we do this, or I have this. So they start breaking those paradigms that people has about cultures. I'm saying, I was in, for me, for example, Africa was an amazing experience. It was just crazy because uh, I worked with these people that never went to school and they were, you know, different levels uh, in the organization. And I had these sessions and teaching business things, uh, development things. And one day I will, because my job was 
been there, you know, the companies all the time going there. So I will go into the, into the areas and visit them and, and visit them and talking to them. And one day I'm like, they don't write that many things, but I, I was like, they remember everything from the session. And it's interesting that now I go anywhere and I say, do you know people there, they have a memory and, and they, they learn, they want to learn. So your perception only changes by experiencing, asking, so my, in, in, my, in my way of thinking will be like, okay, how can I create a space with this streamer, with this streamer, they talk. They talk and this streamer and they say, okay, I'm from here. I do this like this, my family, uh, we do this. So people start understanding that we are really the same and we do the same, more or less the same things. And the difference that, the things that are different, they're not that crazy. <laughs> they're not that, I, I can only say that. Sergio probably can say much more. Yeah. Uh, uh- I, I have the privilege to coach around, I don't know, swimmers from 50 different countries. Uh, and at, at one point in time, maybe right now, I have probably 25 different countries between the postgrads and, and the university team. And I think the most important thing, like for me, has always been to accept their culture, you know. And once they accept, once they understand that I accept if they're Muslim, if they're Catholic, if they come from single mom, if, uh, whatever it is that they have, and, uh, and they, they understand that I can accept them as long as they're honest people in the sense of they treat, you, they treat me with respect for who I am. Um, we always work pretty well. We always had, uh, our teams have been very successful because, because of that. And I think it comes from whoever is leading that team being open-minded, you know, um, I feel I'm a citizen of the world. You know, my mom told me always since I was a kid that I was a, a citizen of the world. And to me, when I work in Singapore, for example, I have some Muslim kids and some uh, Chinese uh, 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 people, some Catholic people. And the most important thing is how you can make them feel that you respect what they believe. And, and if you respect them, they will respect you. And then they create a good synergy and they start talking about everything, you know. Um, so I think, I think it's just be a good person and, and, and give them an opportunity to, like my brother said, share, find a space where they can talk, uh, and get to know you and get to see how you or the other people are people that really accept others. And, you know, at the end of the day, in a sport like us, you know, what do you want is to be successful in the water, you know, and you have one name, there's nothing else, you know? So I think, I think that will be probably my, my most honest answer about that. Yeah. Um, Great question. Yeah, that's very thanks. important. Thanks very thanks. much. Appreciate it. And, and Susan, based on what we talk, think about this. Everybody, uh, their habits and behaviors comes from experiences. So we help the kids to have new experiences that helps them to feel united, you know, as a team. Things may change. The bias may change because now we are friends. You know what I mean? Instead of just focusing about the culture, maybe we share, but I was saying, okay, I know that the kids and the brain uh, learns by experiences. What experience as a team we can do, you know, team experiences that allows them to know as a human being, as a person, and maybe with that break the bias. That would be... Coach, I have a question. Um... Firstly, thanks for your presentation. It was super interesting. Um, well, all this work that we do as coaches, um, we only have um, a limited amount of uh, 
time to sort of prepare them and do these exercises with them. Um, we, we hear a lot about the, the car journey with the parents to or, or from the competition. Um, unfortunately, it's been my experience, I think probably most of our experiences that while we take all these steps to prepare um, our swimmers, that car journey to the swim meet is then undermined or, or uh, made more complicated or complex through the, the conversation with the, the swimmers having with their parent. Um, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts and suggestions on that? This is a great also point. Those are good questions. Uh, parents, yeah, parents can make it or can destroy it many times. So one of the things that with some teams uh, we're trying to, to accomplish is uh, instructing the parents, like having a session. Like if I talk to the parents about the mind, about how their words work, how they impact the subconscious, whatever you say to your kid, how is it going to create something? And you teach them instead of you saying, because, you know, they're adults. And remember, they already created their habits and way of thinking. They may say yes, but then the behaviors are continue. You, I remember Sergio in the other, in the other, in the prior sessions, they were talking about that, about the parents. How do you manage? And I think educating them, educating them about the mind, about the impact of things, can help them also in their own way. Makes sense. So if you show something and say, hey, "I'm going to talk to you about uh, cognitive distortions," what happens? You know, your kid thinks that way. Maybe it's happening to you. Yeah, I work with with different levels of leadership for many years and. Believe me, <laughs> so people start crying. I'm talking about just doing normal things that they start crying. Everybody has their own way. So I think educating the parents about things that you know are going to help the kid on the psychology or, or mind or brain part can help a lot. It is not, doesn't have to be a lot, remember? But if you educate them and give them something to try also, give them, hey, as a team. I don't know how it's in Asia. In, in for example, at Vols, they had, uh, they had, the parents were very involved. So if you had a meeting, most of the parents will come, if, you know, and you talk to them. I don't know in Asia if it's that easy or not to get the parents and say, okay, let's have a meeting every month. I don't know. I, I'm just putting this there and let's talk about these topics. And maybe even ask them, is anybody here who is a psychologist that wants to bring topics? So the more that you involve them about this, these things, they're going to talk. When they go to the bleachers, when I go to a meet, the, the place that I want to sit is not really close to the parents. I, I try not, but many times. And they talk about everything. Everything. So give them something to talk about that helps you and the kids. So teaching them also about that. So maybe you bring a specialist. Maybe you bring somebody that talks one hour every month about that. And that supports you. And then give them exercises. Hey, next time we can do this. And how did it work with your kid when you changed the way that you talk? And, and if you bring somebody with... with uh, uh, credentials, hey, it's going to help them too. So I think it's very powerful. You see that the mental side is not explode. Uh, but if you know that your kids get the help, it's gonna, the, the, the performance is going to be huge. That's, that's going to be huge. Now, so uh, if you don't mind, uh, one of the, things, the important things with this is when you talk with the parents, you have to be very careful about, you know, not making them feel that you try to teach them how to raise their kids because they're going to become very defensive. You know, I, I have this at home, you know, with my wife and uh, my kids were doing many different sports, but when they were, when they were swimming, she became very, well, and anything, but she became very protective and 
if I try to be the coach at home, like I'm partial, and I try to tell her something, she would be like, bah, 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 bah. and parents, and that's what we get afraid of the parents. So you have to be very careful. You have to always put it out there. Maybe start with a specialist, you know, and then always put it out there like something, some tool and some this and some that, but that they can use, that they can do this, but never tell them what to do, like directly. Because many parents, uh, many parents are not going to accept that uh, because uh, they're going to be like very upset, you know. Um, But I think uh, as you educate the parents and you educate the kids, or maybe you can have, if you have a session with the kids, with a specialist about the mind, how the mind works, have the parents in one of the sessions sit around and see what they talk about, you know. Because a, a a lot of the times also, the parents might be afraid that you're trying to change the way that you keep things, you know? And that's a very important thing that you have to keep in mind, you know? There's always a strategy. And, and the most important thing is you, you want the parent to be your, 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 your other assistant coach, if you want, you know, without, without doing too much, but being there to support you, if that makes sense. Uh, and, and do you know what, uh, uh, Jill, no? It's Jill? Uh, Jill, uh, one of the things that you learn in the in the behavioral side is that in groups is that, for example, not all the parents are going to really be into that. But if you find a good group, at the end, the majority rules the energy. So it's like in a, in a business, in a group, you know, if you don't fit and the culture is very strong, then or they have to fit or they have to go. I'm not meaning that it's in the bad way, but I'm saying if you start creating a rule, a, a culture, even if it's just a few parents, don't worry. Keep it, keep it, because everything's circulates you know new parents come but if you eventually create a culture strong about helping the kids with different things you know maybe a few months in a year or two then now your job is to keep that culture now it's very hard for somebody used to come and do whatever so it's a process of creating a culture like an organization and keeping it in there and it's very exciting i think because it changes the game it really changes the game as a club people will get excited of being in that club hey the kids you know they look different they're happier or they perform different. It's and also another, another way to approach this too, to sell it to the parents, it's not just for performance in, in the pool. You know, I think sure. like we talked uh, in the first talk, I think, or whatever, was about, uh, I really believe that they, you have to have a balance with three things, you know, your social life, uh, that includes your family life, your academics, and your athletics, your swimming. So, you can always try to bring this, if you, you, these subjects. And, and probably my advice with you, the first time you do it, try to bring somebody that understands. It's outside of being a swim coach, you know. And then he can share some things and maybe give you different, um, different uh, ways of doing things. But then you present this like, hey, we're going to give these tools for your kids. They can excel academically. One day when they go to a, a, a job interview, They'll be able to be calm and center. They can excel in the pool. So overall, it's going to help you, parents, make your kids a much better individual. You know? yeah. And when you say that, they cannot come back to you and say, ah, you know, you're trying to do something. You're trying to put our kids against me and da 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 and blah, 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 blah. Because some parents will say that. I had so many parents tell me that. Yeah. Well, I think it's a good point because imagine that you, you, you uh, as as you get to know the parent, you say, what, how is your kid? What about if your kid was less anxious? What about if your kid could concentrate more? Would that help in school? 
I bet you that. And, and sometimes, sometimes the issues that the kids have, uh, I got I, I, I got a call yesterday from one of my swimmers that the mark, uh, you know, I've been having talks with the parents like very often, like for an hour, they would call me blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And I, I felt it was very dysfunctional, but you couldn't hear much. The kid, the, two years ago, was a totally different kid than now. And she, this kid has been evolving to a very depressed person. And yesterday, the mom called me and told me that they're going through a very hard divorce. They, they, well, she's finally filing for divorce. They, they had to call the police the night before to pull the father out because he's very abusive and blah, 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 blah. So right there, I didn't know anything. You only knew the parents are very normal, but you only knew that, that the kid, something was happening with the kid. So if you, if you teach certain things to the kids, they might be able to control more their mental health and be able to, to be more centered and be able to separate things. They still love their parents unconditionally, because that's very important that, you know, I, I always tell them you have to love your parents unconditionally unless it's a very dysfunctional parent. But, but they have the tools to become very successful, you know, and be very strong. Thanks, guys. That's helpful. Awesome. Hi, Serge. Yes, sir. Uh, I have a small question, basically. It's related to swimmers, I teach to younger swimmers. So, and we talked about swimmers who do well in training, but, you know, they, they kind of get anxious at meets. But on the situations when it's other way around, there are swimmers who basically just love competing, love racing, and when they come back at the training, it's, it's, it's basically like keeping them in the sport. Like, what are the tools and what are the things that we can work on to keep, like have them retaining back to us? It's, it's basically younger age group swimmers to keep them in the sport. What are the tools that you would advise for us? Um, you know, I haven't coached young kids. I'm not sure what age do you refer to, but I haven't coached young kids for quite a while. Okay, I'm referring to 15 and below, 15 yeah, to 12. But, but, but I would say, I guess, kids, uh, people are people. I think one of the important things is that if the, the athlete understands uh, that you don't want to push them too hard, you just want them to have a healthy environment, a safe environment, and that somehow they have certain talent that in the long term, not right now, not tomorrow, not next year, but in the long term, they can develop great tools to become lawyers, to become parents, you know, to, to become successful people. And slowly you create that situation where you don't put pressure on, on the performance I think you'll be able to keep more people. We all lose swimmers, you know, and we lose swimmers because they lose interest. They have so many things to do. You know, uh, the parents put a lot of pressure in, in, in Singapore. We had a big problem all the time because the schools were so hard. And then the parents put them in private lessons all day long to be better and better and better. So the poor kids were overworked, you know. So you just have to learn the environment. Like, for example, when I go to a new place, uh, my first job is not to change things. My first job for the first six months or so, I try to understand the culture of the place, the culture of the people that I coach, and try to understand how they think, how they eat, how they vacation, how they do this, how they do that. And then slowly, 
try to set different standards and rules and try to get to the point, change the mindset to the point that I want to be. Make sense? If, you, if I come, when I went to Singapore, you know, the first, I, I tried to, I coach the way I wanted to coach, but I had to change many things. And I, I had to be patient because if I go there and say, this is going to be because I've been successful at this place and this is how we're going to do it, how we did it, you're going to fail. You learn the culture and you create your culture. Make sense? And as you learn and you're patient, you're going to learn from your swimmers, from your parents, from the teachers around, the other coaches, and you'll be able to create a great mindset. Thanks. Thanks a lot, guys. You're welcome. Anyone else? Um, I have another question. Um, maybe a different topic. Um, I like what you, when you spoke about um, the children saying, uh, I'm going to die or uh, this is going to hurt. Uh, we, we hear that often um, uh, swimming or uh, uh, I suppose all sports uh, requires a, a, a lot of pain, a, a lot of work and that work is um, uh, understood or, or experiences pain. And we have a lot of these motivational quotes like embrace the pain or or a pain is weakness leaving the body, uh, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, working towards um, sort of, uh, yeah, embracing, like, um, how do I say? Uh, th th there's a lot of talk now that the children are soft, that they don't work as hard as they used to. Uh, they're trying to find shortcuts towards success. Um, but at the end of the day, it still requires a, a, an immense amount of work to get there. Um, so what are your comments on sort of trying to encourage that mindset that, that there is going to be pain or discomfort or, or challenges um, ahead of you that, that we have to work through towards achieving a, a higher goal? Pastor, uh, for me, or for, well, for yeah. my point of, well, the contesto. Yeah, anybody can answer, right? Like, uh, uh, yeah, if, yeah, it's true. If anybody has any, any thoughts, Come on, guys, you have experiences based on what we have taught. But, but go ahead, if you want, or I can. I, I don't care. Right. Contestale, yo le contesto ahora. Go ahead uh, and, and answer. I, uh, I, think, I, I think it's um, nowadays the, the children have too many things. You know, the, the phone, the laptop, the iPad, they, they're always constantly. You know, if I watch my son, uh, uh, do homework. When I was in Singapore, the, our space was so small. We were always in the same room. You know, you could see the TV on. My son had his laptop and a book open, and then he had his phone. Was playing a video game, doing homework, and watching on 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 YouTube how to win, beat the video game. <sighs> you know, so they have a very uh, uh, not a small attention span, but they're, they're multitasking all the time. So in the past, when I was an athlete, we didn't have that. And if you were a swimmer, you grind, and you, you, you look at the line, and you come out, and I had two channels and TV, the TV work. So it's a totally different time, you know? So you have to learn how to navigate all that. Uh, for example, for me, with my uh, college athletes, you know, we practice, you know, and people might think that that's not much, but we practice anywhere between 17 and 20 hours a week. And um, because, you know, my goal is I cannot practice more than 20 hours a week, but my goal is to make them understand that uh, 
they have, they have to be good students and they have to prepare themselves for the long term. And with that being said, we have kids already qualified for the Olympics. We had last year seven kids at the World University Games. We had eight guys at the World Championships. So, but the goal is to make sure that they understand how to balance a life. And with that, once you make a choice of being part of something, is to teach them how to push themselves, you know. And also, it comes from the coach. If you, if you tell a kid to break a wall because that's going to make you better and you sit in a chair, like looking at the kid swim, that kid is not going to do much. So this, the, the psychology of being engaged with the kids and, you know, even if they have a bad practice, recognizing different things and trying to support them and even if they swim very slow and they give you a good effort, try to make sure that, that you believe that they did the best that they could and they keep every day pressing that a little bit more. A little bit more. You know, you have some of the, the you know, some of the top, coach, top athletes in the world are very slow trainers. You know, they, they push it pretty hard, but they don't swim very fast. And many people from the outside watching a practice might say, how, can, how come this kid is so, can swim so fast when, when they go to competition? It's because when they rest and shave and they have a good mindset and they're center, you know, they go fast. And they've been working at a very high level for what they can do and their body uh, has, is allowing them to do. Make sense? So it's uh, understanding all that and you know, making the, the best way every day, making these kids not lose track of, you know, being distracted with other things. You know? It was easier in the past to keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. Nowadays... You get tired of swimming, you can go into playing music and doing something else, you know, and, you know or play video games. Or, so so I, I would think finding a, finding a balance with, with everything. I would like to comment a little bit on that because I, I'm, I'm a coach, but I don't coach group, big groups. I, mean, I, I may do workshops and things like that and programs. Uh, and I did in groups, you know, as a swimmer. But now when I think about the swimmers that I work because they tell me things that the coaches, they don't know. So they make me question a lot of things because the coaches that I know, the coaches, they think that everything is fine with them. So one of the things is, as Sergio mentioned, uh, do, we know, do we know first the level of what is hard work for that person? Can you say, okay, I have 10 swimmers. This guy, I, I was the guy that in training, in training when I was young, younger, I could do a lot. A lot, like crazy, you know. But then I went to the meet for whatever reason. It was not there, not all the time. But in practice, I used my body could go. So the, the 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 point is like, who is? Do we understand what is hard work for each swimmer? And second, because I believe a lot on that, is that somebody is gonna work for you very hard if they trust you. So when I work with with swimmers, I realize that many times the coaches they don't know that even the, the swimmer goes to practice and smiles, internally they are not okay with the coach. I have this girl from Canada, uh, younger but high level, and she, she hates the coach, and the coach thinks that she's doing, they have a great relationship, but I cannot tell the coach. There are things that I cannot tell the coach, you know? But I'm trying to help her to create, to open the communication. But I ha she has to be the one, but normally the younger kids are not gonna come. So for example, in, with Sergio, in, uh, in both, we did something that I call, there is a, a very like world-class uh, coach called uh, Marshall Goldsmith, and he uses this fit forward in business. So I use it in swimming. And fit forward is this, and Sergio, I remember with Sergio was like, oh, 
because it's hard for a coach not to say anything. So I would put, I remember I did it with Joseph, Ryan Murphy and all this, no? I'd be like, okay, you're gonna have 10 minutes with Sergio and you're gonna ask for help, okay? And, and I say, Sergio, the only thing that you can do is give him solutions. Don't tell him you have to, you say, these are the options. And the only thing they have to say at the end, Joseph or Ryan, whoever, thank you. And that's it. So what happened with the feed forward? You, you tell them what they can do. You know, they get feedback from different people. Uh, nobody says you did this bad or wrong. They just give the feedback and hey, you can do this, this and that. They say, thank you. They start creating rapport with the coach because there is no conflict. Normally a coach, when they go, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. The, the kid cannot say something and just be okay. They always have to follow. So let's say that you try with kids. Okay, now uh, what issue do you want to work on? Okay, you could do this, this, and do that with the coaches. Do the feed forward time. No complaints, just tell them you can do this and this. And the kid says, thank you. And they go and they decide what to do. What happens? When the kid decides that they can decide, when they can see they can decide and they do something and it works, now they're motivated to do more. And they start trusting the coach on communication. The problem is communication. If the kid cannot come to you, I don't care what we do. You have 10 kids, 15 kids, 40 kids, it's very hard, too much energy. Too much. Remember we talk about energy? Your, your propeller as a coach is not gonna move. You're gonna be too exhausted. But if you create those moments where communication happens, maybe some of them are gonna start opening and then things change, the trust changes. It's pretty cool. Also, also with this, Fit forward meetings that we had, one of the things that we had to do too was to, instead of telling kids what to do, is ask questions to see if they could find the solution, you know? And, and, and many times, and you can do this with the parents too, they will give you the solutions. They don't know that they have to do it this way because they don't want to think about it, but they, internally they know they have to do it this way. So, so that, that's a very powerful way of like, allowing the kids to make choices because, you know, because you keep asking them how, what do you think? And what about this? Because of this and blah, blah. And then at one point say, well, you know, that, you know, maybe I should do this. And that's what they said the first time, you know, and that's what you've been trying to tell them to do. So it's, it's very important to, to ask questions so they can answer their own questions with the parents. It works great because the parents, when they come to you, the first thing we do is become defensive, you know, and you become defensive and you'll be like, ah, and you're scared because you have, I remember when I first got a job, I was 20, 20, 26, no, 28 years old. I mean, the first time I had a, my first job, head coaching job. And the first time that the parents walk through that door, you, you're freaking out, you know, and you're like, ah, uh, and then they see your body language and they see this and they see that, and then they're going to smack you, you know. But instead, if you come and you, hey, you know, you did this to my kid, I, you know, why do you say this or da 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 and blah 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 and how come you know this or blah 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 blah? You, you don't become defensive. At one point, they realize, well, maybe my kid was the wrong one here. You know, instead of you like, well, you don't know what happened. You were not here and da 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 da. And I tell you this because I saw this and somebody told me this and da 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 da. And your kid is uh, screwed up. And then now you have a problem. You know, so like the same things that you're telling the kid, the the, the kids to do the four or five steps. You could do them yourself when you know that you're going to have to face parents. You have to have a meeting. And, you know, you teach yourself how to be calm and how to just really give them power. Give them power to give you the right, the right answers of any questions that they have. You know, most of the, 
swimming, I don't know, like I, I know in America, uh, a lot of the parents don't respect the coaches in swimming. You know, and I'm telling you in a general way. Well, you know, every parent is a volunteer coach on baseball, a summer league, uh, uh, basketball league, whatever it is. So I, I encounter so many parents that they're lawyers, they're these, they're doctors, they have a business that they know more of coaching than I do because they have coached for the last 10 years as a peewee, a peewee league, a peewee team playing basketball. And you're like, you know, when my daughter was playing basketball at the, uh, at the center, they asked me many times, hey, why you don't volunteer? You're a coach. I said, no, 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 no. If I have to pay for a coach, I'll pay for a coach. But I come to watch my daughter play. I'm going to sit in the bleachers. I'm going to take a nap if she doesn't play. And I want to watch her uh, have fun. Because I, I cannot, you know, it's not my job. Now, if I see that you're treating my kid in a bad way, or this or that, or absolutely, you're going to hear from me. But if not, poof. You know, like, so, so you always have to work that way. Never become defensive. Always be open. Uh, I think, look, we can, we can, I, I can start with my presentation, if you guys want. My presentation is not uh, very scientific, it's just about my experience. Uh, let me, anybody else has any questions about this? No? Right. So, Sergi, uh, do I, can I send them the email through the... Yeah, uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, you can use, I'm going to type it there. So oh, okay, okay. Uh -huh.